Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, a podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Well, we don't usually start the podcast with music, but in in honor, I guess, of what we're about to talk about, it seems somewhat appropriate, uh, for those who don't know, the theme song from the Blob movie back in the 1950s with Steve McQueen. Uh, where this blob comes from outer space and tends to grow bigger and bigger and bigger, kind of like, I don't know, the government. Um, but at any rate, uh, Betsy, why are we talking about blobs at Christmas time? Well, we're talking about blobs at Christmas time for a couple of reasons. First of all, I have likened that movie, which as a as a youth scared the crap out of me. Um, it just it devours everything in front of it. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more malevolent. And uh, I have felt that way about a lot of state government where there's precious little accountability and it just sucks up more money and it just sucks up more make-believe projects and we don't have anything to show for it. But the reason that we're actually talking about blobs today is it makes me so proud to be an Oregonian and to know that our Secretary of of State spent $350,000, $350,000 to create, and I can't make this up, Blobby. Blobby is, um, is uh, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. The d- designer calls it genderful advocate for voting in Oregon. It is a blob, a, an orange blob, a kind of, gross orange blob with a pink mount hood in the background with eyes and one of those Kilroy was here kind of faces and noses and blobby is there to tell you what a great idea it is to vote it's in these putrid colors but most of all it cost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to design blobby now we're not talking about uh, 500,000 illegal dollars that came into Oregon to support uh, Democrats, frankly, and went to the Oregon Democratic Party. Uh, precious little obvious investigation going on that. Precious little obvious investigation going on our erstwhile Secretary of State who took a $10,000 a month independent contractor consulting contract while she was auditing marijuana in Oregon. But we've got time to design uh, Blobby. And so that was then followed close on, and I can't believe this is totally coincidental. OHA, the Oregon Health Authority, didn't want to be left behind. And so the Oregon Health Authority has their own non-humanoid green against a kind of um summer squash orange background uh holding a piece of paper and contemplating whether or not to sign up for the Oregon health plan uh, as of right now OHA's uh spokes blob as a uh, blogger over in the central Oregon area by the name of Jeff Eager refers to it OHA's spokes blob remains unnamed Um, And uh, once again, OHA has not yet identified uh, which pronoun their green blob wants to use as opposed to 
blobby the secretary of state's puke orange blob um but i'm sure that we paid some advertising firm to do the the green oha blob it is incomprehensible to me that we are pissing away money on this sort of just crap when Oregon's on fire. The graffiti downtown in Portland is worse than it's been ever. It's so bad that private sector people are begging ODOT to take their money to help clean it up. Um, And it's obliterated signs that are necessary for safe transit through uh, complicated uh, freeways if you're a stranger in Portland. Um, We're passing out $24 million to shelters with no demonstrated efficacy. And um, people are still dying on Portland streets from unchecked fentanyl and other kinds of drug use. Uh, Amazing. Um, Changing subjects rather dramatically. I'm working with a group of people that are trying to fix and reform ballot measure 110 which was, uh, I believe, a fraud perpetrated on Oregonians that weren't paying a lot of attention to what they were voting for, and it functionally legalized hard drugs. I mean, there is there is ostensibly no sanction to be down anywhere because uh, it's metastasized to other parts of Oregon, shooting up drugs, smoking drugs, throwing your drug paraphernalia on the street, an officer comes up and sees someone smoking fentanyl or shooting up, uh, gives them a citation. The perpetrator throws the citation away, and that's that. Uh, they give a, a advice on how to call a helpline, and practically nobody has called the helpline. And in the meantime, the carnage downtown contri- continues. But by God, we got a, a bile green blobby, and we got a puke yellow blobby uh, calling Oregonians to their civic duty and asking them if they want uh, government health care. All right. I, I, <laughs> I've been laughing the whole time you've been talking. It's a good thing there's a mute button uh, because I've looked at these blobbies and I'm just like, okay. So on a more practical standpoint, you used to be one of the state's top budget writers. And when you were, if how would you know that something like this got done? Can you stop it before it happens? Or is this only a case of, being able to go to the agency, that was really stupid, uh, bad on you, but that's the end of it. I mean, what could you have done to make this not happen? Well, it's frequently this kind of crap happens after the fact and the legislature doesn't know about it. What we did know about and what I railed against is in looking at agency budgets, the number of people designated as spokespeople for agencies. These are really agency lobbyists in disguise that come over to the legislature and work budget writers to make sure that agencies get fat budgets. We never got down low enough into the, and I almost gag using the word, the creative side of what the agencies were putting out. But I have over the years seen the unbelievable spin describing all of the good works that are done by state agencies and the governor's office that come out of these press offices that are bountifully funded with just spin doctors, basically. Uh, Lobbyists, government affairs people, spin doctors, and some of these folks don't have any idea what their job is. Let me give you an example. I called the government affairs person at the Oregon Department of Aviation 
to ask a question about why they had not resolved an issue at the Aurora State Airport. This is one of the state's most complex airports owned by the state of Oregon. And I was promised uh, by Alex that he'd get right back to me. I haven't heard a word. It's been, oh, I bet a month and a half. Uh, he knows I'm a former legislator. He knows that I helped create that agency and he knows that I ran it for five years and I can't get the courtesy of a call back to explain to me why it is that their past director and their past board promised to fix a lease situation that exists on the airport, and I'll skip the details, and have done ostensibly nothing except promise me, which turned out to be a lie, I just can't dress it up any other way, it was a lie, that they were going to get right on fixing it. So all of these spokes blobs, whether they're actually depicted as a blob or they just act like a blob, um, don't know what their job is supposed to be. And I'll admit that once Honorable came out of my title, that state agencies were a lot less enthusiastic to call me back than they were when I had an Honorable in front of my name and I had the state budget in my back pocket. But I have maintained during my entire legislative career, citizens, and I'm now one of them, should not have to come to the legislature with their lawyer or their lobbyist in tow to try to get agencies to move. And I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's despicable. The agencies have gotten worse. Nobody answers the phone and you call places and I, I, I'm extending this to both the federal government and the state government. And you get these disgusting messages that say, due to the COVID crisis, we're all working from home where we've been for the last three years and probably intend to stay forever. Now, I had an issue with the, the uh, VA and I called repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. And finally, to her credit, I got a woman that could help me with a constituent. Even though I don't technically have constituents, it is very difficult for me to let go of people's hands who have relied on me to be their shock absorber between state government and, and themselves. It is impossible for me to let go of their hands, particularly a Vietnam combat veteran, and Vietnam was the war of my generation. This guy comes home and has just one problem after another with the VA and feeling completely rejected and abandoned. Um, I first went to uh, one of our United States senators and didn't make very much progress. And so subsequently, I've gotten a House member on board, and I'll name him because he's great. Cliff Bentz is helping with this veteran. We got turned over to the VA. I couldn't get the VA to call back. And finally, with relentless hounding, I got this terrific woman, and she is terrific now. She rose to hero status in the Betsy book. And uh, they weren't going to give him an appointment until way into next year. And we have an appointment for him this next week. Uh, and so, um, you know, there, there are still some people working in state agencies that when you finally do get a hold of them, are motivated to do good stuff. And this woman who's a patient advocate for the VA did good stuff. But damn, it's hard. You can't. And state agencies, nobody answers the phone at DEQ ever their director is so insulated from any kind of public outreach or public engagement. It's really shocking to me. And you leave messages and nobody calls back. If I were governor, I would order state employees back tomorrow.
Well, let's talk a little bit about how a person engages state government and and what is important for them to do before they make the first phone call, of which will probably be many, depending on how complex the issue. And the place I'd like to start is the problem statement. How do you formulate something that clearly states what your problem is, and you also kind of need to have an idea of what's going to make you whole if there is a solution to it? Well, you and I've talked about this before, and I think people found it very helpful when we were doing our weekly show, and it was largely uh, focused on the Oregon legislature. But I will submit that what I'm about to say applies at both the, the state and the federal and perhaps even the local level. It is getting increasingly impossible, impossible for an ordinary Oregonian to just call up DMV, uh, for example, and get anybody on the phone at all or anybody that can be helpful. So the advice that I'm going to give is to sit down and very thoroughly think out what is my problem statement. And by problem statement, I mean, what is it that you want to fix and actually write it down. And then think through, have I told, because this correspondence will be uh, designed to go to your state representative or your state senator, have I told them the whole story? And by that, I mean, back when I was a little bit more naive than I am now, I had a guy call me and just go to town on the fact that he had been deprived the opportunity to visit his daughter by DHS. Well, I was always ready to pick a fight with the Department of Human Services, so I waded in on this one. What the guy forgot to tell me was he wasn't the biological father of this little girl. He just thought of her as his. Um, unfortunately, he had no standing, and I found that out in a somewhat embarrassing way of reflecting poorly on my investigatory skills before I went after a state agency. So if you've got a problem, think through clearly, what's the problem? How do I describe it? How do I describe it in such a way that it can be described to others? And have I put it in a format that can be shared around electronically from, say, my legislator to an agency person? Then the other corollary to that problem statement is write down what your ideal fix is, because sometimes the fix is impossible. Um, and and I, you've got to know, or whoever's trying to help you has got to know from the outset that your idea of a solution is either achievable or not achievable. Case in point, um, we've talked about this before. There was a dump, a horrible dump site over in a community called Banks. The guy that owned the site, every time he engaged with government, said, I'm going to show you guys. And he brought more industrial waste and garbage. I mean, real honest to God, garbage and cans and um, the 55 gallon barrels of sludge with God knows what kind of crap in them. I've never seen so many cats. And the problem statement was fix the dump. The dump was beginning to um, uh, infringe out of its territorial limits into other people's property. Gunk was seeping into the ground and moving um, perhaps into waterways. I, I don't know how that gunk that was absorbed by the ground actually processed the gunk, whether it uh, created a human health hazard. So in that case, the problem statement is unauthorized, unpermitted, uncontained 
industrial slash uh, human waste, uh, kitchen waste dump site needs to be fixed. The problem statement is send the state agencies up. I mean, that that's the problem statement, fix the dump. The solution is send the state agencies up here, bust this guy and uh, and and fix it. Well, it took two years, but with the help of uh, Commissioner Willie over in Washington County, even though I'm not a senator anymore, we made enormous progress. And it wasn't DEQ that fixed this. It was the, the Washington County Commission, specifically Commissioner Willie, and, um, and me just badgering on him. But we had a clear problem statement. We had a clear solution. At least we thought it was clear. It took court intervention and police intervention um, and the guy going to jail and fines. And then DEQ was limited in what they could clean up versus what they couldn't clean up, even though I believe that dump represented a public health hazard. So clear problem statement, where you've been so far, who you've talked to, keep phone numbers, keep a log. Um, I'll give one other very provocative example. Last week in Oregon, it rained. I thought I was going to see a boat with animals getting on board two by two. I've never seen it rain so hard. As a result, many of the coastal rivers flooded. And those coastal rivers flooding uh, caused all kinds of problems, none the least of which was bank evulsion, where the volume of the water and the velocity of the water was carving out river banks. And in one case, the carve out had come as um, some people speculated, the result of an ODOT flooding fix up river from where the wash away occurred and threatened a guy's house. And it took me a number of phone calls to try to tease out exactly what was the status of what the aggrieved homeowner was going through. It has resulted in him um, contemplating filing a, a potential tort action against the state if it's going to cost a ton of money to, to riprap the bank in front of his house. Uh, there are wetland delineations, there are permit requirements, there's this, that, and the other thing. But when he first had a third party reach out to me, which is in my book a no-no, if you're, if you're pissed off enough and aggrieved enough and damaged enough by state government, don't have somebody else do your dirty work. You call your legislator uh, personally because whoever the complaining party is, is in possession of the lion's share of the facts. And so it took several phone calls and a number of emails back and forth to finally get a description of what the whole problem statement was, what the potential fix might look like. And then it's a matter of getting your elected officials and state agency people engaged. Uh, once again, you're asking a former legislator who frequently would start by calling the head of the Department of Transportation and not worrying about the people farther down in the organization. But I think the same advice would apply whether you're talking to your federal people, your state people, or even your county commissioners. Find out for sure, is it their jurisdiction? For example, county commissions have jurisdiction that the state and the feds don't have in some cases. And the feds have jurisdiction that the state doesn't have, like immigration, for example. Uh, so find out what the jurisdiction is, what the level of government is that can help you get your problem statement organized, be able to tell those people, generally your elected officials, that you're reaching out to help you 
where you've been, who you've talked to, keep a log, remember the titles and the phone numbers of the people you've talked to or write them down. So whoever pulls the thread on this nightmare you've been living has a starting place. So that really is the best advice that I can give. And right now with so many uh, state and federal people not at their desks, most Oregonians will be turning to their legislators uh, especially as the election season kicks off as 2024 dawns, uh, those people whose name will be on a ballot are particularly receptive to helping constituents uh, that they won't be right after the election. So, uh, or may not be, I shouldn't be so, so blanket uh, condemnation. A lot of legislators are very, very, very receptive, but they're really gonna have your attention um, or you're going to have their attention in the run-up to the election. So that's the best advice I can give people. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.